A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer. Welcome back to The Chemical Show. This week, I have the opportunity to speak with Rashta Khan, who is the Senior Director of Product Innovation for Barents, in sh- where she's also the member of the HINI leadership team. She's responsible for support across business, driving new product development and innovation efforts. She's had held multiple leadership roles at Barents and also at some other leading HINI companies, including Reckitt Benkeiser and Clorox. So we're going to have a great conversation, in fact. This conversation stems from one that I had earlier at ACI this year. So we're going to be talking about innovation and green and buggy and other things. So Rashta, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thank you, Victoria. It's wonderful to be here. Glad to have you here. So let's start out by talking about your origin story. What got you interested in chemicals and what eventually brought you to Barents? Yeah, so I've been in the chemical industry for a while. I went to graduate school, graduated with a chemistry degree and did college recruiting. My first job was in Pleasanton, California, within the R&D organization of Clorox. So I started as a junior scientist, a formulator in the home care space. One of the first projects I was assigned was to get designed for the environment certification for a new product. So from I was at Clorox for many years, junior scientist, senior scientist, senior technical project manager, evolved and and then I got an opportunity to move out of state. So I moved my family to New Jersey to Reckitt Ben Kieser, where I led, you know, the global innovation team. So first ever Lysol laundry sanitizer was launched and it was a fascinating experience working in a global setting, South America, India, Germany, new product development around various countries. And when I moved to New Jersey, my husband actually, he he had a hard time. So he actually moved the family to Florida. So I kind of went all around the country. So California, wow. was New this, Jersey. Was this during the pandemic by chance? Because I know everybody was moving during the pandemic. So I moved to Florida in 2019, I think it was. Okay. So, so pre-pandemic. Just, okay. just before the pandemic, yes. Yeah. So I moved to Florida for, you know, my husband moved the family, so then settled here and uh, I got the opportunity to to join Barnes. And, you know, I've been serving, you know, innovation, product innovation for most of my career. I love finding new ways of developing new products, creative and adding value to to everything I touch. <laughs> yeah, that's so really interesting. So now you're here at Barents and... Yes. So now at Barents, I'm the Senior Director of Product Innovation. It's actually a newly created role within HINI, which is Household Industrial and Institutional Cleaning. So totally in line with my experience. And 
my first experience in a distributor. So I come from, uh, you know, the formulators that actually develop the products, launch it to consumers, very consumer relevant type of experience in the past. Also professional, you know, uh, a lot of these large companies also have I and I formulations. So that's my experience. And distribution is kind of you're in the middle, right? So taking an ingredient that is from a supplier and uh, selling it to the customers who are formulators. So it's it's a very different experience. I'm learning a lot every day. <laughs> it's wonderful. And I feel like the value that I can bring being on the other side, being a formulator is huge. That's interesting uh, that, that I could see that, especially because we often, you know, again, we talk about like the companies like Clorox and, and Reckitt as being the formulators. And yet... Mm-hmm. At a, at a distributor like Barents, there's also a lot of formulation work that takes place. What, what do you see as the biggest differences in terms of where you sit in the value chain now versus previously? Yeah, it's fascinating to me how in the distribution world, we are agile, fast, nimble, how quick we can be. And I think we, we are a little bit smarter because we we have visibility to a lot of things, right? So visibility to the world is your oyster. Look at all these ingredients and then how you can put them together, how you can actually demonstrate the technical expertise to customers. It's very interesting dynamic. And I think you learn a lot and you know a lot about technology and applications in that process. Interesting. So, you know, when, in fact, this episode or this interview came about um, really, as we talked about in episode 86, I was recounting some highlights from this year's ACI conference. And one of the themes is green and buggy. And I know that there's a lot going on in the world of biotechnology. So are you seeing an increased demand for biotechnology and cleaning and why? Yeah, this is a very hot topic, biotechnology and cleaning. The short answer is yes, there there is an increased demand, both within the consumer products and professionals. Biotechnology includes enzymes, and microbes. Microbes are also known as probiotic. Enzymes are utilized in laundry, dish, on a global scale. They're, they're in many different applications, but within professional or INI, they're the fastest growing ingredients. A lot of proteases, cellulases are used. A lot of the concentrated forms have, have enzymes, so you know lower energy costs as you have cold wash temperatures and concentration. So with with regard to uh, you know biotech technology and enzymes, that's what I'm seeing in terms of the trends. So why is this trend? I mean, I think we're is, is this consumer driven? Is this driven by performance? What are the drivers that are taking us to more biotechnology in the cleaning world? So I mentioned enzymes. The second big biotechnology is the microbes, right? So that's the the bacteria. I don't know if you've heard of those. Microbes are fascinating. So to me, they they are smart materials and help you clean in a very efficient way. So microbes, I recently read an article in Mintel where within the USA, they were launched in cleaning products for the first time about six years ago and have seen a remarkable growth since then. So I think between 2020 and 2022, there's been so many new products being launched, cleaning products that have microbes. And from a global perspective within Europe and Asia, they actually have a lot more than the US. So I believe it's like something like 60% of 
of new products are being launched, have been launched in Europe and Asia with bacteria in it. And Hmm. it's expected that it'll continue to grow and pick up in other regions of the world. The chemistry of microbes, the most common species is bacillus. These are safe class one organisms and activated with food and water. So they just need, you know, a little bit of what they like to eat, I guess. And they are on their way in terms of producing, they actually, microbes produce enzymes specific to the soil that exists on the surface. So if you're trying to clean, they're smart and they actually attack the soil according to what's on, you know, in terms of what the organic matter is. And that's interesting. So what's, what strikes me is there have been certain products and maybe, maybe mostly hard surface cleaners that use the claims of being antimicrobial, right? So I've seen this Mm -hmm. claim many a time in advertising and other things, antimicrobial. Are we now going to start seeing the opposing claim that it's microbial or that, or is it more just that people are approaching it as a green based cleaning? Yeah. So that's a very good question. So the regulations are still being established with the tech, with this technology and cleaning products. You cannot, it's not an EPA regulated product that you develop. You need to have actives that are approved by the EPA to make any sanitization or disinfection claims. This, you cannot do that. Microbes are, you know, the benefits that you see is a lot of the performance, right? So the odor, you get odor removal from the source. It's not just masking it, the residual action, because like I said, that when microbes are activated with food or water, they continue cleaning for a long time. So especially industries where they're cleaning less, this type of technology is really beneficial, where you can have longer lasting and residual cleaning on your surfaces. Where do you see that? What industries do you see being most interested right now in this? So a lot of, well, pet care, of course, with with the pandemic, there was a lot more pet owners. This is very common technology. Of having- my dog is really stinky at the moment. In fact, I told my daughter <laughs> that after school, we're going to go, we're going to give her a bath because she needs one desperately. So longer lasting, yeah, pet odor removal would be awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. So pet is a is a huge area. And then also carpet and hard surfaces. They work very well in those types. Microbes work very well on those um, drain and septic drain. It's been it's been used for a very long time for you know grease removal, helping mitigate clogs over time. And then tile and grout, you can actually see on the grout that you're getting cleaning efficacy on it over time. And then I'd say one of the niche applications are turf, so artificial grass. I don't know if you've heard of that, but a lot of pets go on turf and you need to remove odors and, and soils on, on turf as well. It's fascinating. Huh. That is um, really, think, you know, yeah. My, end uses that we probably would have never had maybe 10 years ago. I think about like the, the turf for your pets, but that's interesting. So it's an evolving, yeah. a very evolving market. Yes. And with microbes, I feel with the innovation in this type of product, it's education for the consumer, the customer, the end user. The customer is not going to tell you that they want this. It's an education opportunity, educational op- opportunity, providing knowledge as to what the benefits are of this type of technology. I think this is how we innovate in, in this space. Yeah. And when you think about the consumers, the consumers actually care about an outcome. They don't necessarily care how they get to that outcome. Nobody really understands the chemistry 
of cleaning products. They just know that they want stain removal or odor removal, or they have a particular issue um, that they want solved. So it's really up to the industry to formulate for that and the marketers to help solve those problems and communicate that. Absolutely. It's the perception. You have to understand what the what the perception is and you know, tweak your formulation to deliver on that. And then the last thing I'll mention with microbes is I was reading an article recently and in Europe, they're actually using microbes in, in the hospital setting. So they're seeing that it's actually having a very beneficial cleaning in terms of on hard surfaces. It actually avoids and drops the amount of hospital acquired infections when you clean with this type of technology versus the usual chemical disinfectants. It, mm-hmm. it was fascinating to read this. I don't know, what, um, you know, in terms of uh, the commercial aspect of it, how far it's gone, but this article was talking about the, the performance benefits that are being seen with microbes in, in the hospital. And then also antimicrobial resistance is also increased with this technology. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, so I can see kind of a continued evolution, particularly when we think about antibacterial, right, which has had, you know, I know that there's been some, it's popular, but there's also been some voices that have said, oh, we shouldn't have antibacterial. The microbes is kind of a next step of uh, kind of maybe next generation. So I think, as you said, the um, the regulations are still evolving um, and it and it probably will be for a while yet. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, you know, and maybe we've touched on this, but, you know, some of these bio-based product areas are fairly mature, um, as we've talked about, and mm-hmm. others are still really developing. What are some of the challenges that you see companies facing as they're trying to commercialize and scale in these bio-based products and applications? So some of the challenges can be um, how do you formulate with with these bio-based products, right? That That's one of the key aspects. How do you attain parity or better performance with a bio-based product? Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the work has to be done in terms of providing science-based proof, right? So providing data and results that that actually gives the evidence that it's the same or better. Um, and then also, you know, it, the other aspect is looking at it from beginning to end with bio-based products. There's a lot of challenges. I have to say with sustainability, it's such a big topic right now. And it, and it has many different um, functions and facets to it. So, you know, beginning to end needs to be looked at, you know, from the feedstock, the manufacturing process, uh, the impact on the carbon footprint. So, you know, those those are a lot of the challenges, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be what benefit, what performance, how could we be smart in utilizing bio-based products? Where is their opportunity? For example, you know, we just talked about microbes and, and probiotics. If uh, professional, you know, institutions are cleaning less, this fits in right there. Perhaps you can have a formulation um, that you don't need to use that much that often. And, you know, it meets kind of that that holistic sustainability and cost parameters that a customer has. Yeah. And it maybe fits the scale of these new bio-based products, right? I mean, so we just, I mean, scale is such an issue right now, just trying to, um, for companies that are working on scaling their their new technologies for the demand, trying to meet that. It's a, it seems to have been a bit 
more challenging with the bio base. So if it's um, if the net usage is less because the um, cleaning patterns change, it starts fitting in a little bit better. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, go ahead. I was just going to say the other challenge is, um, again, education, right? So a lot of these needs that or benefits that are coming out, they're unarticulated by the users. So just, you know, I think education is going to be a huge part of it and, and the knowledge of what are bio-based products bringing to us, to the industry. Yeah, very interesting. How does, you know, so Barents, as we've already talked about, it really sits in the middle between the formulators, the consumer products or the industrial products companies and the actual producers. How do you or how does Barents influence um, these formulations or even specifications and applications of the new products? What role do you play in that? Yeah. So like I said earlier, I'm new to distribution and I've learned that in this industry, one has to be fast and nimble and, and perhaps more knowledgeable sitting in the middle, right? Ultimately, we have to excel the technical formulary and the new solutions for, for all the formulators. Um, some of the tenants that Barrent lives by is knowledge, partnership, and entrepreneurship, uh, delivering ingredients and customized solutions for a sustainable world. That is that is key. That is the backbone um, of our values. So I think that really helps us sitting in the middle, um, you know, develop the understanding a lot of the technical aspects from suppliers and providing um, the best solution to our customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about innovation a little bit. So you're, that's your focus, and it seems like it's been your focus for quite a long time. What does the innovation process look like? at Barents, Where does it start? Where does it end? How do, you, how do you progress through that process? Yeah, to me, innovation is everywhere. It's not just a product. It could be a process. It's, it, it's everywhere, right? So how can we think of new ways of doing things and, and developing things that add value? So at Barents, there's three main factors. In my mind, it's, you know, the first one is technical and ideation expertise. That's the first part, you know, the formulary expertise that I mentioned previously, and then knowing how to reframe problems, how to connect, build in, um, you know, connective thinking uh, and ideation. That's very important. And it goes along with the technical expertise. So that's one aspect of it. The second aspect is a product portfolio. This is where our principals and our suppliers play a huge role. Okay. Um, product portfolio, expanding that and having the right products to provide the solutions to our customers is absolutely critical. And the third aspect is market insight and intelligence. So this is the consumer insights, the customer insights. I think, you know, innovation in general, we, we need to have the technical ex expertise as the backbone, but we need to have empathy for the consumer, empathy for the customer, empathy with our team members along with curiosity. So those are the, the, th the three things, curiosity um, to ideate, to look for new solutions, to be innovative. Mm, that's really good. And, I, and empathy, that's actually, that's a really interesting take on it. But I think you're right. We have to be um, empathetic to our customers um, and our consumers to be able to meet their needs and, and to the team as well, right? As, as you go through this process, I think that's, um, I'm going to have to, I'm making a mental note on that. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. Empathy is really understanding the other person's struggle. So it could be a win-win situation, right? 
what is the struggle that they're trying to trying to solve? Yeah, that's really awesome. So, you know, how do you prioritize this? It seems to me, um, and almost every company has in a large number of potential projects, um, innovations, ideas that people want to work on. Um, and frankly, you know, there's always time and resource limitations. How do you set the priorities for this? What, how do you sort through that? Cause I mean, you're, you're leading a team that probably has a lot of things they want to do and, and you want them to be successful in that at all, but they can't uh, get to all of them. So how do you manage that? Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of many different types of projects. You need to first work on the ones that have business value. It's a pipeline, right? So in terms of the pipeline in the future, what are some of the immediate projects that need to get done? And and they have they may have a different value versus some of the long the longer term and larger projects. I think at the end of the day, there's um, there's customer needs that sometimes are we need this yesterday. So that needs to be done, but we have to balance with the team how how projects are assigned and and executed. Yeah. So um, this may be a hot topic, but I, I think one of the challenges, or maybe it's not a challenge, maybe it is a challenge, maybe it's just an unknown, is um, obviously you have a number of suppliers and principals that you are serving you, that are serving you and then through you serving um, the customers. How do you strike that balance when you have innovation opportunities and you've got an array of potential suppliers? Is it, you know, are you targeting specific suppliers for specific solutions or is it really, um, is it a partnership that you together say, hey, let's together tackle this challenge and this innovation opportunity? How does that go? Yeah, I I think having a lot of options is wonderful. That's absolutely needed. Um, to have a lot of products in the portfolio in terms of how it's prioritized, what we utilize. You know, the first thing is, what does the customer need? You know, what do they want? What kind of solution is it? Is it, do they want to have a green? How, what percentage biobase do they want? Uh, what performance metrics do they have? Those are all key things that, that help um, converge from the wide array of ingredients that we have is, you know, which ones can we try and and develop into this formulation as an application? I think that's the first thing. And then, you know, keep in mind the trends, what's happening currently and in the future. I think having a broad view and a long-term view that also sets priorities and strategies within the company as to what projects and what ingredients are used. Awesome. So I know we were talking before we started recording just about some of the changes and challenges with the pandemic and then and work from home and then back to the office and and um and as you were saying you know innovation requires a lot of engagement right um because there's multiple people multiple roles in um along the way to be able to serve needs to understand what's going on how has the pandemic impacted the innovation process what's you know, I guess maybe what's been helpful and and what's different today versus where we were three years ago. Wow, <laughs> that's that's a loaded question. I feel that it's it's a whole new process now, right? Um, we have new habits, we have different ways of working, and there's new ways of doing innovation. I think it's um, me personally. I like to have that face to face interaction. That's how you can be creative. That's how you can ideate. Um, 
you know, I think a lot comes with that face-to-face, that, you know, physical interaction. So when that's not available, it's, it's like, okay, turn your camera on, on the team's call. Let's, let's make sure we can see each other. Right. Cause not everybody is able to be in person and, you know, the nature, it's the nature of the business. And I think there's, there's new ways. I think we've, we have settled in a new way of working, which is uh, a hybrid from before and now. And it's tricky. I have to tell you, I, I, I have to ask myself, what is the, what is the, the objective, the goal for each project as we, as we go into, um, you know, a meeting with, with team members internal or, or external, and then decide, well, how do we want to, how do we want to have this? Can we have a team's call? Can we, do we need to be face-to-face? Um, that's, that's how I'm handling it. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I know, um, Barents is global. Um, so it's got people in multiple locations. Do you typically find that um, the way that you're organized is most of your team local to you in Florida, or are you typically working um, across locations and regions? So there's, uh, I'm within HINI, so this is focused in North America. So a lot of the communication and interaction with team members is within North America. Got it. Awesome. Well, good. So is there, um, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of where the evolution is with cleaning and bringing biotechnology in and innovative new products. Is there anything in specific that we should be keeping an eye on um, that's going to be coming to the market soon? Yeah, um, I, there's definitely, there's two products that come to mind. And I also want to mention, um, you know, uh, biotechnology is not the only green products out there, right? So there's, there's a lot of other hot stuff. And, and before I mention um, the two products, uh, you know, in terms of green, there's also, uh, we talked about fermentation a little bit. There's also surfactants and solvents that are being uh, manufactured in different ways, right? So there's there's new those newer technologies as well out there. But the two exciting products Barents is, has launched, um, one is called the Bionat. So this is a multi-component ingredient it brings uh, enzyme, bio-based non-ionic surfactant, stabilizing ingredients, and allows for formulation, manufacturing, blending, procurement, simplicity. So simplicity, I don't know if you've heard of this. This is huge. So having simple formulations, simple manufacturing processes, Bionet delivers on that. And there's two new products, and they're very high percentage of bio-based, almost 100%. <laughs> Uh, that's the first product. And the second product is the Jzyme multi-spore ingredient. So, you know, to bring smart, efficacious, and sustainable cleaning, we have many different ingredients in our portfolio. Yeah. And where would you see these? Um, what applications do you see these products going into? So I, I approach it as a consumer. Like, when is it, when is it showing up on my store shelf? <laughs> Yeah. So Bionet would be within laundry applications, okay. uh, manual dish. Uh, you know, those, those types of applications. And then the Jzyme Multispore we talked about in detail. So this could be within the pet care market, carpet, hard surfaces, litter boxes. Oh God, um, I have all yeah. of those things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been really interesting, Rasha. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed um, getting to know you, getting to know a bit more about some of these biotechnology trends and how they're coming to market. Etc. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, absolutely. And thank you everyone for 
joining us today on The Chemical Show. Keep listening, liking, sharing, and following. We'll talk again soon. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.